Hi, and welcome to episode 14 of the Four Seasons Podcast. My name is Mike Oliver. And I'm Rachel Oliver. And we here at the Four Seasons Podcast try our best to have a lighthearted podcast, have a fun podcast. Um, But I am going to start this episode off with a little bit of heavy news for those of you who don't really follow or aren't really big sports fans. Uh, Rachel and I are big Denver Broncos fans, and the Denver Broncos lost arguably the greatest wide receiver in the history of the team. Uh, excuse me, the team. Demarius Thomas passed away last Thursday. He was only 33 years old. Um, was close to his 34th birthday. He turned 34 on, on Christmas Day. Um, it's just really, really big loss. Mm-hmm. Really shocking. We grew up watching him. I mean, he won. He helped us win Super Bowl Fifty. I mean, it, it was hard hitting, shocking news, as it was to the whole NFL franchise. The whole, the whole community. A lot of people came out and just expressed how much they really loved him and cared about him. I I know myself personally, I had come home from work. It was it was my Friday. I was off for the next two days. I was just relaxing, you know, and then this news comes across and it just is, kind of floors you. Yeah. Just, just like that, somebody's gone, and I felt kind of silly because I wept and cried for somebody I had never met. And I think it just kind of speaks to what the power of sports really is. Mm-hmm. These people are just tremendous. Whatever, whatever they, sport they play, they're tremendous athletes, and they do incredible things that not many people can do. And so you just become attached to these people and watch their greatness. And Demarius Thomas was such a great player. And even more important than that, you really kind of find out what kind of guy he was when people... Off the field. Off the field and when people talk about him. And when you really think about it, you almost take it for granted. Mm -hmm. Um, NFL wide receivers, I think, especially, are pretty famous for being divas. Mm -hmm. They're... He was far from that. Yeah. Most of... A lot of them are arrogant, and they are all about themselves, and they do stupid things off the field, and they're constantly... And you stop and you realize, wow, I don't think I ever once... I mean, he did have one or two, I guess, transgressions, but people make mistakes, but... Yeah, and I don't think it was even anything remotely to to what some of these players have done. And just sharing, people sharing the pictures of him, you forget. It's just the NFL, it's over for these players so fast. And sometimes you forget about these things. I just forgot what a great smile mm-hmm. he had. He's got this big, contagious smile. And all these pictures people are sharing of him. He's got this great, big, ear-to-ear smile. He's got these great, he's got a great set of teeth that are just perfect. You know, He's got these big, pearly white and the smile. And it just kind of makes you realize 
your mortality. Mm-hmm. And I, I could probably stumble on about this for a long time, but I just wanted to put out there about how how much we love Demarius as fans. Mm-hmm. A ton of people did. And how much it impact it truly did impact us this whole weekend. Yeah. Like it just it's still hard to believe and just watching all those videos and tributes and it's just uh, just one of I my <laughs> I mean he was a part of one of my favorite Broncos memories which was Broncos make the playoffs in 2011. They're, they really shouldn't even be there. Nobody expected them to do anything. They take the Steelers to overtime, who were heavy favorites, even though the Broncos were at home. And the first play overtime, Tim Tebow hits Demarius across the middle on a little slant, and Demarius takes it 80 yards to the house, walk-off, touchdown, and it's just... You think about that, and you think, wow, I just can't believe he's gone. Yeah. Um, it's been so yeah we it's just been a sad weekend this weekend for us hopefully we can turn the important thing to do in times is sad as you are just to remember the good times and keep the positive things and the best thing you can do is remember yeah um i'm glad we were able to kind of get our thoughts and feelings out about it but think we should go ahead and get into the episode and kind of get on to lighter things. Yes. All right. Sounds so good. Let's start the show. Okay. Okay. So we're going to go into trivia now. So I gave you a multiple choice question this week. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. To help me out. Yep. <laughs> okay. So this was this was supposed <laughs> to be. Something that I was good at. You... Uh, the trivia, so thanks for making it a little easier. So what do you got? <laughs> okay, this week is what coach came off the bench to play for his team in the Stanley Cup Finals? So again, the question is what coach came off the bench to play for his team in the Stanley Cup Finals? The options are Dick I. Urban, sorry, Dick Urban, Toe Blake, Lester Patrick, or Wayne Gretzky. I'll let you ponder on that. Thanks. Uh huh. And we'll come back to that. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's go ahead and move forward with the show into our sports nuggies. And first thing I got for you is we had another scoregami this weekend. Oh, we did. We did. Um, for those of you who've been listening loyally, you may remember us talking about. The Scorigami, which is the unique final score of two different teams in NFL history. And if you're not sure what we're talking about, go ahead and go back through all of our episodes, <laughs> listen to all of them, and try to figure out which one we talked about the Scorigami in. The first person to email us at the four seasons pod at gmail.com and tell us which episode it was in will have listened to all the episodes. <laughs> Kudos to that. <laughs> and you can't put a price on that. Better than money. So, our, this would be the 1,071st unique score in NFL history. The Kansas City, 
<laughs> so that's my Broncos fanhood just coming out right there. <laughs> Kansas City. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. Go ahead. I'm trying. Get it together. I'm good. Okay. Go the Kansas City Chiefs steamrolled the Las Vegas Raiders 48-9. to And the other funny thing about this, this really isn't a nuggy, but I thought it was kind of hilarious. Before the game, the Raiders decided to basically disrespect the Chiefs and have a team meeting on their logo for whatever reason. And it was kind of funny because I was listening to the broadcast and Mark Sanchez brought this point up. It's funny how these guys are so worried about people stepping on their team logo before the game starts, and then once the game starts, people run all over it all yeah. game, so what does it matter? Which is fair point by butt fumble, but... Well, I thought it was hilarious because the Raiders decided, we're going to have a team meeting on the Chiefs logo, and we're going to let them know that we came here to play. And, and then they fumble <laughs> on the first play from scrimmage, the Chiefs take it back for a touchdown, and then the game is never in doubt from that point. Right. Not to mention, last year... The Raiders beat the Chiefs in Kansas City, and they took their team bus on a victory lap around the stadium. Mm-hmm. So as they were leaving the stadium, the Kansas City's PA played the wheels on the bus. <laughs> so double slap in the face. Right. Nice, nice work, Kansas City. City. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I uh, found out is on this date in 1991, Tecmo Super Bowl was released. Mm-hmm. Now, Tecmo Bowl was the first. Tecmo Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. because there was a Tecmo Bowl release before. Tecmo Super Bowl was actually the first uh, football video game to be licensed by the NFL and the NFL Players Association. So it was the first game that was able to use teams' names and Mm -hmm. likenesses. Okay. Also, and it's funny as Broncos fans, we're talking so much about the Raiders right now, but anybody who played Tecmo Bowl growing up knew that nobody was allowed to play as the Raiders. Because Bo Jackson was a cheat code, and any time Bo da- Jackson touched the ball, he scored. Mm. Almost like in real life. <laughs> well, but uh, those are my nuggies. I hope you found them delicious. <laughs> I have some sports nuggies more on this day type. But right. in 1956, the Dodgers trade Jackie Robinson to the Giants for pitcher Dick Littlefield for <laughs> oh, and... Th- uh, $3,500. But then Robinson retired rather than being traded. And then in 1983, the highest scoring NBA, still to date, by the way, oh. um, has, was played. It was the Detroit Detroit's versus Denver, 186 to 184. That had three overtimes. All right. So I thought that was pretty, yeah. Uh, and the Nuggets lost? Yeah, no surprise. <laughs> but yeah, I thought yeah, that's still the highest scoring NBA game to date, still. Wow. So. All right. And that was again. That was back in 1983. 83. 83. That was the year my mom graduated high school. Okay. Uh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Oops. Well, I uh, leave it in. <laughs> Sorry, mom. You look great. I love you. You're beautiful. Let's okay. let's just move forward. Play the cut music. Okay. All right. So we 
on the recommendation of a listener, mm-hmm. have kind of added a new little wrinkle into the podcast. Podcast is like a uh, Pokemon. It is always evolving. Okay. Okay. So what we have decided to do is we want to get the people who listen involved in our Fab Fives. So when we come up with the idea for a Fab Five, well, actually, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. First, what we need is we need you to email us at the four seasons pod at gmail.com and request to be a guest Fab Five submitter. Now, I think we could go about this a couple ways, probably. Mm-hmm. We could either tell this person the Fab Five, or if the person has a Fab Five idea that they want to submit and want to be the celebrity, celebrity, mm-hmm. celebrity, yeah, um, celebrity submitter. I like that. I like how that flows off the tongue. I just okay. came up with that right now. If you want to be the celebrity submitter, Simone. <laughs> You can just email us at the four seasons pod at gmail.com. Or, as I said, Simone, if you just want to respond to my wife's DM, <laughs> um, we'd love to hear from you or yes. anybody else who listens. Yeah. Again, I like listening or reading the emails too. So, yeah. So, moving into our Fab Five for this week, we decided that we wanted to do our Fab Five sports traditions. And one of the really exciting things about this list, as is the case with quite a few of the lists we have, very open to interpretation, Mm -hmm. very open to what kind of different traditions there are. Yeah. And what you consider a tradition. Uh, That being said, this week's celeb submitter Mm -hmm. is my uncle. Yes. (laughs) Uncle Rich sent us his Fab Five, and I gotta say... Uncle Rich sent quite an email. Yes, he did. And we loved it. I loved it. <laughs> I'm still laughing at it. Yeah. Just for... Um, time's sake. Time's sake and to not just read you his email out loud. <laughs> we have cut out parts of it. No offense, Uncle Rich. It was all yeah. gold. We really uh, liked yeah. it. But we just tried to highlight um, some of the some of our more favorite passages... Uh, so without further ado, Rachel, what is Uncle Rich's Fab Five sports team traditions? Okay, so he has a sixth man, and it is the Mile High Salute from Tyrell Davis. Tyrell? Tyrell. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I really emphasized that there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you really emphasized a letter that was not there. I did. So that was the sixth man. Number five is the Detroit Red Wings octopus toss. I'm going to read you guys this one. All right. I'm looking forward to this. So being an Avs fan, this is tough thing to in my list, or sorry, to my list in my Fab Five. But you have to give props to the fans that are willing to crotch an octopus <laughs> to get it into the arena. <laughs> Just to throw it out on ice to fire up your team. At the price of 20 to $30, which equals two to three arena beers, which is true, these mollusk-chucking idiots should be given a small bit of recognition. I hate the tradition. I hate it even more when I see it on ice in Denver, but it does deserve it on a spot on the list. One of the things I really appreciate about that is not only did he do the research to put that tradition on his list, but he also researched what the price of an octopus is. <laughs> but it, he is 
right about the arena beers. Oh, he's right about the price, but <laughs> but with not without doing research, you don't know what the what the <laughs> uh, what do you call it the the price? No, the... what do you switch from one currency to another? Oh, um, uh huh. I it's right off the top of my tongue. So just for the. The conversion yes. from currency, the cur- the exchange, yes, which the exchange rate between octopus to arena beers. Right. <laughs> it's very good. So those are all continuing. Number four is uh, Cubs fan throwing back the opposing team's home run balls. Number three is receiving the green jacket. Number two are oh, sorry, real quick, would you just clarify receiving the green jacket at is the masters at the masters. So golf. Yes. Sorry. Number two, the playoff beards for hockey, even though this is spilling over into other leagues. Uh, number one, the handshake at the end of conclusion concluding the playoff series for hockey. So those are his number or his fab fives for team traditions. Well thank you very much. Uncle Rich. Yes. We love that list. <laughs> Again, it, it was pretty good. And you know what maybe we could do is if anybody is interested in reading the whole thing, one, we want to see some some likes on Facebook, on Instagram. Yes. Uh, some DMs, whatever. But put it out there. If you guys want to read his whole email, we'll post it out there as long as we... Hear from the listeners yes. that it wants to. They want to want it to that, be read. Yeah, yeah, because it it does give you a lot of insight, and it actually is really good. So, with that being said, are you okay if I start my Fab Five? Yes, go ahead. Okay, so my Fab Five, my number fifth pick is the seventh inning stretch. This goes widely for all teams, but it breaks down more specific. So this kind of started on April 14, 1910, on opening day, when President William Howard Taft was sore from a prolonged sitting at the game. There you go with your U.S. presidents again. (laughs) Between Washington Senators and Philadelphia Athletics. And Senators now. (laughs) Uh, So he stood up to stretch. The crowd felt obligated to stand with him. So that started it. (laughs) (laughs) That was also the first recorded peer pressure. Right. Um, many teams do do the take me out to the ball game. A lot of teams play songs after. The Orioles play Thank God I'm a Country Boy at the conclusion of it, along with the Braves. The Mets do Lazy Mary. Texas Rangers do Cotton Eye Joe. The Rockies do Hey Baby. Yankees do God Bless America, which started after 9-11. The Minnesota Twins play Little Corvette, and the list just goes on uh-huh. and on. Number four is the Gatorade shower. Again, this is versatile, so, or all over. So the tradition began with... I mean, there's lots of different flavors of Gatorade. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's a, sorry, you know, that's a prop bet that, you know, crazy sports betting has gotten anyway. There's a Mm -hmm. prop bet you can bet on what color the Gatorade is during the Gatorade shower during the Super Bowl. Oh. Yeah. Little known fact there. So the tradition began with the New York Giants in the mid-1980s. It actually started on October 28th, 1984, when the Giants beat the then Redskins 37-13. Jim Burt performed the action on Bill Parcells after being... Parcells. Parcells, sorry. Parcells is our present, thank you. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Being angry over the coach's treatment of him that week. (laughs) 
<laughs> Bert had Harry Carson dump the Gatorade on him because he thought he was a favorite and he wouldn't get in trouble. A few months later, the Chicago Bears, Dan Hampton, said he was the one who also invented it in 1984 when they dunked Mike Ditka when they clinched the NFC Central. Ditka. Ditka. So, going on to number three is the Lambo Leap. That started by Leroy Butler, a defensive player on... Here you go. It's a Christmas day. Well, not quite. December day after Christmas. Yeah. December 26, 1993, against the Raiders. The commissioner, Paul... Oh, I'm gonna, Paul, Paul Tagliabue. Yep, thank you. You got it. <laughs> Grandfathered it in as a celebration and not taunting because it's not showing up the other team, but rather than... Showing the team the appreciation to the, the fans, fa- yeah, yeah. especially when they sit in minus 19 degree weather. Randall Cobbs has also said he's been inappropriately touched a few times. There's quite a few pictures <laughs> out there of somebody just grabbing him, grabbing a handful of yep. footballs. Yep. <laughs> um, he actually has even had a little deal with Clorox because of all the soda, beer, mustard, ketchup that's, <laughs> that has fallen or has been spilt on him. You spilled mustard on those Green Bay Packers pants, no problem. Nope. <laughs> but if you spill ketchup, we got issues. Yeah. Um, my number two is drinking milk at the Indy 500. It, it's not really, a, I mean, it's not a team tradition, but it's still a pretty big tradition that happens all the time, so I thought I threw it in here. This started in 1936 when Lewis Meyer drank milk in the victory lane because his mother said it would help him. Ref- it would help refresh him on a hot day. And ever since then. And drivers cannot drink buttermilk because it's due to, like, licensing with the milk agency. They can't produce, like, or not produce the but the buttermilk. So wow. it, it has to either be 2%, you know. So that's that. So my number one is the legend of the octopus. So <laughs> going off your Uncle Rich's... Yeah. Um, as he kind of mentioned, the tradition of What did the, he mention exactly? Uh, <laughs> crotch and an octopus? Yeah, something like that. So Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> crotch and an octopus? Okay, let's keep going. I'm just here to crotch the octopus. Let's just keep going, because that can be interpreted in so many ways. <laughs> a tradition of the Detroit Red Wings playoff games at home. This tradition... Um, Sorry, this tradition is when a dead octopus is thrown onto the ice. This goes back to 1952 playoffs. <laughs> well, you never know. I'm either. just thinking like somebody <laughs> trying to put a live octopus in it. You probably never know nowadays. <laughs> so, anyways, this goes back There's to... There's an 19- entire industry built upon that, but yeah. sorry. Anyway, go ahead. This goes back to 1952 when the, NF- when, sorry, when the NHL team played two best of seven series games to win the Stanley Cup. The octopus having eight arms symbolizing the number of wins they would have to win to get the Stanley Cup. Ah. This all started on April 15, 1952 when the two brothers (laughs) and store owners Pete and Jerry Cusumano of the Detroit Eastern Market hurled an octopus onto the rink. The team swept the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens en route to winning their championships. All right. So those were my Fab Five <laughs> traditions. Very nice. I just rambled them off. There you go. We're good. Yeah. I liked them. Thank you. 
I had a I I had a couple of the same I think, but here we go. Okay. So my Fab Five, and I went ahead and called on a sixth man. Okay. All right. So my sixth man, one of my personal favorite traditions is. Dad's falling asleep in the recliner and then saying, hey, I was watching that when you try and change the channel. Okay, that's a good one. <laughs> now, Edward Knabush and Edwin Shoemaker filed a patent application that trademarked the design of a simple reclining wooden bench that later became the traditional recliner. Oh. They after founded Lazy Boy in 1927, excuse me. Oh. A company that today is worth over $1.5 Wow. The first Monday night football game first began in September 21st. 1970. And tonight, I fell asleep on the couch <laughs> as I was watching. Yes. And when the boys tried to change the channel, I said, hey, give me that. I'm not done watching this. <laughs> that is Fine. my sixth man. Classic dad lane. Okay, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> number five. And this number five kind of made me laugh because you had a, a race car mm-hmm. tradition. I had a race car tradition. Oh, really? A sport that we have not Talked mentioned about, yeah. once in... 13 previous episodes. Yeah. Now being brought up twice in the same episode. That is pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, mine is the kissing of the bricks. Um, this is for the uh, Indianapolis 500 and has since been followed by the Brickyard 400. Uh, it was started by Dale Jarrett. Uh, after his Brickyard 400 victory in 1996, him and his crew chief, Todd Parrott, decided to walk out to the finish line, kneel and kiss the yard of bricks to pay tribute to the Fabled history of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, their team joined them for a kiss, and it's been a tradition for teams to kiss the bricks after they win at the racetrack ever since. Oh. I just thought that was kind of yeah. a cool tradition, like, honor yeah. <laughs> honor what you're the building, you know. Mm-hmm. So Makes sense. Yeah. Number four, this is the rat trick. Okay. Uh, the rat trick was a celebration fl- performed by fans of the Florida Panthers during the 1996 season. Uh, that was started because Scott Mellenby of the Panthers killed a rat in their locker room uh, prior to a game and then went on to score two goals with that same stick. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh, do you remember when we talked about... I? And now I can't remember. So again, go back and listen to our previous episodes about superstitions. Remember the guy dunked his uh, stick in the yeah yeah in, in the, the toilet. toilet. Uh huh. What do you think? What is grosser, having uh playing with a toilet stick st- or to- uh, yeah a toilet stick or a rat stick? Probably a rat stick, because the toilet at well let's hope the toilet is flushed and cleaned. What if the toilet's not flushed? <sighs> so I guess then it's just a. Duty stick. <laughs> What's brown and sticky? A thick. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. Sorry, I cannot think now because <laughs> of that. I. Uh, I don't know. I think, as the story goes, he didn't like bring the stick down and chop the rat in half. He flicked it like a puck mm. and whacked it into a wall, and it hit the wall and died. Mm. So okay. So then, then I'd say rat, rat, rat stick. stick. Yeah. What if he smelt it after? Oh, gross. Okay, let's just keep going. I don't want to... Okay. <laughs> We're getting off topic now. <laughs> anyway, during the 96 playoffs, fans would take rubber rats and throw them onto the ice every time they okay. they scored. Uh, 96 was actually the Panthers went to the Stanley Cup, but ended up falling in the Stanley Cup to 
The avalanche? That's correct. Yes. And the uh, the following offseason, the NHL implemented a rule that the home team would be penalized if fans disrupted the game by throwing objects onto the ice. Hmm. So I thought, hey, that's, that's kind of interesting. Start a tradition based on that. You work for one year, you make it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, my favorite team beats you, and then it gets banned. So Yeah, there you go. So I like that. Uh, my number three is Cubs fans throwing home run balls back. Now, this is something that gets done quite a bit in today's Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, though, one of my most favorites is Yankees are in Boston playing the Red Sox. Giancarlo Stanton hits a home run over the Monsters. As he's rounding second base, a fan launches, and I mean launches the ball from the top of the green monster on one bounce that hits Giancarlo Stanton as he's rounding Ooh. second. Well, Giancarlo Stanton looks up, realizes what happened, and salutes. salutes the fan and keeps running. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Ron Grossel was the first known fan to throw a home run back. Uh, he threw a Hank Aaron home run ball back. What? Yeah. Why? Well, let me tell you why. Thank you for that setup. That was beautiful. <laughs> Set it up so I could spike it home. Okay. Throw it up so I can slam it down. That's an alley-oop, baby. Um, the year before, Hank Aaron had hit his 521st home run. And he had tried to meet him as he was walking onto the team bus and give him the ball back. Mm-hmm. And he had turned him down. He was kind of angry because as he was in the outfield, he said Cubs fans spilled beer on him. So he's kind of mad at all Cubs fans. Yeah. Well, this Cubs fan was mad at Hank Aaron. So he hit it. So he wound up and hucked it back, and it kind of started the tradition. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number two, the Lambo Leap. Okay. Another great one. And you had pretty much covered everything I had to say. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> I just will go ahead and add that Leroy Butler scored on what was a fumble recovered by his teammate Reggie White, who, as he was being tackled, lateraled the ball to Leroy Butler, who ran it in, and he was quoted as saying, they want you to act like you've been there before, but I play defense, so I never know if I was going to get back again, so I went ahead and made it count. So I thought that was a fair fair sentiment. I always used to say if I ever made it to the pros, I would act like I had been there before, but as I've gotten older, I realized I would not see the end zone very often. So... If I score a touchdown in an NFL game, the game will pause, and we will have a parade in my honor. Oh, okay. Yes. Now I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number one for me was the NHL hockey handshake. Okay. Now, one thing I really appreciate about this is I think hockey is one of the most violent sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really funny to see... Especially when you're playing a seven-game series against somebody. Mm -hmm. You see them over and over, and you're constantly hitting and fighting. And and then at the end of it, to just shake your head and say, Hey, good job there, bud. Yeah. (laughs) Because they're all Canadian, you know. I got that. (laughs) Because sportsmanship is what it's all about. Yeah. Um, I did pull up this article about it, and I wanted to kind of read this little... um, This little blurb, so excuse me for reading directly, but um, 
Liam McGuire, a hockey historian from Ottawa, posted a memoir online that might date the first formal postgame handshake to more than 100 years ago. McGuire remembered a conversation he had in 1980 with an Ottawa-area resident in his 80s. The resident, whose surname was Lamb, was a cousin of Joe Lamb, who played in the NHL in the 1920s and 30s. Lamb showed McGuire a scrapbook that contained a yellowed newspaper clipping about a game played on January 2nd, 1908. To benefit the widow of Hod Stewart, a star of the Stanley Cup champion Montreal Wanderers, who had been killed in a diving accident. The game featured the Wanderers against a select team of players from other clubs in the Eastern Canada Amateur Hockey Association. It is considered the first all-star game in Major League Hockey. The old clipping contained several photographs. Among them, McGuire wrote, was a picture of Art Ross, who now has a trophy named after him, by the way. Oh. The Art Ross Memorial Trophy, or Art Ross Trophy, uh, of the Wanderers shaking hands with Frank Patrick from the All-Stars. Looked totally normal, something we'd see a million times. But then Mr. Lamb said, Son, do you realize that this is the first handshake recorded in hockey? So there's speculation about it, but that is what's believed to be the first hockey handshake. Okay. 1908, so. Well. Uh, tradition. Yeah. That had. Nonetheless. Could be dated back well over 100 years. 100 years. And Crazy. That's all I got. Okay. So that will conclude my Fab Five. All right. Now what we're going to move into is a new area we'd like to call our double header. This is going to be a second Fab Five, Rachel, using her big boss lady brain, <laughs> decided to call this a doubleheader. I think it's a very fitting name. Thanks. So we're going to go ahead and bring back in Uncle Rich's email. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And we are going to read our top five Christmas movies. Yeah, since Christmas is already next week. Oh. Next Saturday. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so in words of Uncle Rich... He said... A prophet, really. (laughs) That this isn't going to be a list filled with soppy, heartfelt movies where every time you hear a bell ring, an angel gets its wings type of list. (laughs) So, with that being said, his sixth man is the Jim Carrey's The Grinch. Number five is The Night Before. You know what's funny is in The Night Before, an angel literally gets its wings. Yeah. (laughs) So there you go, Uncle Rich. Um, Number four... Four, sorry, is Why Him? Number three is Elf. Number two is Christmas Vacation. And number one is A Christmas Story. So, those were Uncle Rich's Fab Fives for Christmas movies. Now, would you like to go, or would you like me to go? I can go. Okay. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. Coming up with my list, I actually left off... Jim Carrey's The Grinch, and that actually is one of my favorites, mm-hmm. but I'm going to roll with what I got. Do you have a sixth man? Are you going to use him in as a sixth man? I already had a sixth Ooh, man. okay. Actually, a sixth woman. Oh. Uh, my sixth woman is Noel. Okay. Uh, this one is not as popular as classic as a lot of the other Christmas movies you think of. This is a fairly new one. It just came out in 2019. Mm-hmm. It's a Disney Plus original. It stars Anna Kendrick, and it's got uh, Bill, Bill Hader. Bill Hader of Saturday Night Light, 
Saturday Night Live thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a super cute one. It's one that I think the boys were... <laughs> when I put it on, I was like, we're going to watch this one, and I think they enjoy it now mm-hmm. because... They're so, first, they're like, what is this? Yeah, and so but, we explained it. Yeah. But okay. Really good. Uh, number five, Bad Santa. Oh, okay. Now, you probably have not seen me watch it yet this holiday season. No, I have not. Actually. And it's one of those movies that I almost feel uncomfortable watching with you because it's so vulgar. <laughs> but I have a dark secret vulgar side that I don't let loose yeah, on purpose on the podcast. Yeah. When I'm trying to name cities and I let a swear word slip, <laughs> it happens. Yeah, it does. Uh, it's Billy, peak Billy Bob Thornton being... A bad Santa. Being, yeah, a bad Santa. Yeah. That's the name. Yes. Bad Santa. Also, the kid in the movie is hilarious. Yes. He was actually... I've seen it once with you. <laughs> they tried, They made a Bad Santa too, and they tried to recreate him, but he's all grown up now, and now he's just weird. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. Uh, number four, which I have been on record and I have told you several times, is a criminally underrated Christmas movie. It is one of my favorites. Yes. That's Fred Claus. Yep. Love Vince Vaughn. I... Love almost every movie he's in. Mm-hmm. He just, he, yeah, that's he, good. He's just a, he's just a, overall, he, he's just a bro being a dude. Yeah, but I enjoy Fred Claus even with the weird CGI putting. How we can... putting normal sized people on yeah. elves, but yeah, I can get past that and really enjoy it. Number three is Elf. Okay. Will Ferrell. Yeah. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Number two is Home Alone. And this one has really moved up for me over the years. It's one I wouldn't even think about of probably a few years ago. Okay. And I've really grown to love it. And another thing that I enjoy about it is how much the boys love it. Mm-hmm. They love watching Home Alone. Yeah. And I will specify, and Rachel, <laughs> sneaky Rachel... <laughs> Tried to pull a little twofer and tried to include Home Alone 1 and 2. I had so many choices. Yeah. I wanted to use my sixth man for other things. That's how these lists work. you got to make difficult decisions. Uh, Home Alone 1, I want to specify, although I do enjoy Home Alone 2, the original is the one that gets me. Uh, number one for me is A Christmas Story. Yeah. I have such fond memories of this. I... Cause it, and the funny thing is, is it's always like the TBS. Mm-hmm. Put it on TBS, it runs for a 24-hour loop starting Christmas Eve into Christmas Day. And I watched a lot of it, mostly because I was so excited for Christmas as a kid, I couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. And so I would get up and I would walk around and I would try to lay down and force myself to fall asleep. And when you lay down and you try to force yourself into sleep, you can't it's, sleep. Yeah, it doesn't work. So I would end up going downstairs and I would sit in the living room and watch the watch Christmas it. story over and over, count the time. <laughs> I don't know if my parents knew I did this or they just didn't care. One year at Christmas, we had a new house being built and we had moved out of our old house because it had already been sold. So we were staying at my grandma's house and I believe I was seven Six, maybe seven. I woke up and I thought, I know, I know how to read my own name. And I opened up every <laughs> single present. And oh. my parents were 
pretty upset. They were. I would say nonetheless. They were livid and also defeated at the same time. I remember my dad saying, "You watching you open your presents is my Christmas. And you <laughs> took that from me." I could see your dad saying that. Yeah. And now that's how you feel too, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how much faster Christmas comes when you have to pay for it all. Yeah. Yep. When, when you're just rolling in the presents, it can't come fast enough. I know, I know. When you're the one who has to supply the presents, it's it's like a bullet train coming at you. You sent me that video of that bullet train. Yeah. That's Christmas coming. When, <laughs> when, <laughs> oh goodness. So I guess I will go on to my fat five. Oh yes, please. Okay. So my sixth man is Home Alone two. So there you go. Good came job. out. <laughs> thanks. Came out in 1992. It made 359 million dollars at the box office. And that was in 92. That so. was in 90. Yeah, that was in 92. Uh, why it's my sixth man is because once again, I, I mean it's it's good. It's a classic. Not as good as the original. Not. Yeah. You don't enjoy it as And like when. Kevin's mom's like, I just want to make sure everyone gets on the plane. And the flight attendant's like, it's okay, ma'am, I'll make sure. Like, no, like, just stay behind. Just be like, no, I have to make sure at least my family gets on. Either way, someone's going to be the last one, and I will make sure I'm the last one. Also, the, (laughs) what Harry and Marv go through. Yeah. I get it, they're the bad guys, but there's no way they survive that. No. Home Alone 1, I I could buy it. Yeah. Makes Makes a little more sense. Makes but yeah. sense. Hold on to it's like, ooh, that that, that is that is murder. That is murder. <laughs> and plus the hotel employees, like, I'm sorry, like, don't chase down a little kid. Like, yeah, I agree with Kevin's mom at the very end. Like, yeah, you're the one who made him run away from the hotel. Like, yeah, Rob Schneider, yeah. <laughs> did you body switch with a smart person. Oh goodness. Tim Curry, just go hide in a drain and wait for him. <laughs> So number five. What's the matter, Kevin? Just ay ay ay. Number five is Noel for me. Again, this is a Disney original, two thousand nine. Two thousand nineteen. To start to yeah, correct. Two thousand nineteen. This was actually one of the movies that it was supposed to come out before November two thousand nineteen, but Disney wanted it to come out part part of the Disney Plus streaming launch. Yeah. So again, this is Anna Kendrick, Bill Heater. Or a hater. If you haven't seen this movie, I honestly suggest to see it because it's very cute. Yes. Noelle is um, Santa's daughter. Santa passes on. Her brother takes over the roles. He gets stressed. He sneaks away, takes a trip to Phoenix. She goes, finds him, makes friends. Well, not telling the whole movie. I'm just. Anyways, it's really good. Go watch it. (laughs) So then, my number four is Home Alone. Came out in 1990, the original. This one made $476.7 million in box office. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it was a bomb for some reason. No. Again, oh. and this was in 1990. So, who knows what the... That's definitely the... like a billion dollars in today's yeah. dollars. <laughs> yeah, plus how many times it airs, you know, the... What's the... Um, residuals. Residuals and... Uh, Reruns. Oh, like... Uh, I'm drawing a blank where you just keep where it keeps playing like 
Reruns? Not reruns. Anyways, I'm going to keep going. So, it's a classic family fun film. Um, My number three... Oh, sorry. Fun fact on Home Alone. Did you know that the line, you you guys give up or are you thirsty for more, was improvised? Did not know that. And the map that he drew for the traps, Macaulay Culkin (laughs) actually drew that. Oh. So, my number three going on is A Year Without a Santa Claus. This is 1974 film, very animated. It originally... Very animated? Very animated. Ex- and some would even say just animated. <laughs> it originally... I think it's actually claymation, <laughs> stop motion claymation. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, originally aired on ABC. It's very similar in the storyline. They say go back and forth or side by side some in mixes of in yeah intertwines of santa claus is coming to town uh i watched this growing up when i was little and i thought it was crazy when we were looking it up on imdb and the lady who voiced mrs claus was born in 1898 yeah and that was her last film by the way so And uh, Heat Miser and Snow Miser songs are forever bangers. Yes. (laughs) Uh, My number two is White Christmas. This is 1954. And this was the number one movie in that year. And it came out at $30 million in box office. In 1947? In 1954. 1954. Why did I say 1947? I don't know. Again. You're good. Just very traditional. My grandma's, one of my grandma's favorite movies, so I always watched it with her, and just, you know, plus the dancing, and since I grew up dancing, it's a plus for me. George Clooney's aunt. Yes, George Clooney's aunt. Uh, number one, A Christmas Story. I think it's everyone's number one. Well, anybody who... <laughs> Logical. Yeah. That's, um, that's crazy. I mean, clean sweep. Yeah. Uh, 1983, $20.6 million box office. Um, That's kind of a flop, right? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. It was a Thanksgiving movie. It didn't actually, it was was still not in theaters during Christmas because it uh, it just got played too much. Um, Again, we watch it every Christmas into Christmas Eve into Christmas Day. Fun fact on that, the mom... At the very end, when they're in the Chinese restaurant, she did not have a script. Like, she was not given her script. So, that whole scene when they're in the... Did she not know that they were going to cut Nope. The... So, you can tell by how she reacts. Well, and the... Like, the song. The, the song. When she's covering her and, mouth and she's laughing, yeah. she's actually really laughing. So, that all is true. She did not have a script. Everyone else did except for her. So, yeah, when they come out with the duck and everything, that is genuine reaction. Oh, so, and... Uh, Peter Billingsley, who plays Ralphie in the movie, mm-hmm. is an elf. Mm-hmm. And this is just speculation on our part, but it's pretty clear that he's buddies with Vince Vaughn. Cause yeah, because he's in a lot of movies with him. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, that was my uh, doubleheader for Christmas movies. Yep. And so, since we had a clean sweep of number ones being a Christmas story, we'd love to hear from our listeners. Do you agree? And if you disagree, why? So. And what is your number one? What would be your number one Christmas movie? Yeah, what's the best Christmas movie? So send us an email. At thefourseasonspod at gmail.com. Or you can DM us on Instagram. At thefourseasonspodcast. Or you can tweet at us at... Thefourseasonspodc. 
or send us a message on Facebook or post on our wall at the Four Seasons Podcast. All right. Let's move along. Okay, so going back to trivia, is what coach came off the bench to play for his team in the Stanley Cup Finals? Is it Dick Irvin, Toe Blake, Lester Patrick, or Wayne Gretzky? Um, I've been thinking, and so the obvious elimination is Wayne Gretzky. Okay. Um, I want to say, doing research at some point, I read that it was, uh, what was C? Lester Patrick. Lester Patrick. That name sticks out for some, to me for some reason. I'm going to say C, Lester Patrick. It is C, Lester Patrick. Yes. Some obvious, or at some point, reading it. When did you read this? <laughs> like, to, like, a few minutes ago? No, I swear. <laughs> I hate that. You lost your note card, and somehow that's... <laughs> so you did read it. I didn't read it. I'm pretty sure it went back... I don't know. I'll, I'll, look, I'll listen back through all the old episodes and and see which one. But there was one episode where part of my Fab Five was hockey. I'm wondering if it was the one where the guy dips his stick. Hmm. But I know I've read it before. Okay. So 44... Plus, where did... Toe. Mm, toe Blake. How do you spell that? T-O-E-B-L-A-K-E. Toe. See, see <laughs> toe is not a name. It's a body part. There are some weird names out there. Anyways, let me read the description here. Okay. Okay. So 44-year-old... I mean, I, you patronized me like I didn't. Lester Patrick played goalie for the Rangers in 1928. He only gave up one goal. The Rangers went on to defeat Montreal Maroons in OT. All right. So there's that trivia. I got that right. I am glad you finally got that right. Oh my gosh, let's let's move on. I'm tired of your sarcasm. <laughs> I'm not sarcasm. Condescending, whatever. Thirteen episodes. This was your first one. I second. Was, fourteen. Sorry, second. Fourteen episodes. Second. Okay, second. Second correct answer. I knew who won the 1985 Super Bowl MVP. That is true. Yeah, I know yeah. it's true, because I remember things. Like when I do research, and I remember that the name Patrick popped up in a coach playing for his team. Okay. Let's get going. Okay, so going on to what we're looking forward to this week. I just don't understand how you would flame my character and then not expect me to defend myself. <laughs> how, how did I flame it? Like, oh, somebody somebody read the trivia question when they were bringing it up to me. I did not. I didn't know if you, well, you were on your phone if you were looking at it. No. Okay, that's all I was saying. I'm on Instagram looking at reels. <laughs> no, I'm saying just a few minutes ago when you're sitting beside me after I read you. I know, the... that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Okay, anyways. It helps me think. <laughs> okay. Again, I'm again. just saying okay. No, see, you're saying it in a specific kind of way 
Don't clutch your hands. Okay, we're not here to argue. We're here to tell what we're excited for this weekend. Oh, you just wait until this episode is over. (laughs) So I am looking forward to... Defending your honor against me? Getting ready for the holidays with David, because this is his last week of school. He'll start winter break next week. Oh my gosh, are you serious? Yeah. I guess that's why they're doing Spirit Week. That's why they're doing, yeah, they're doing Spirit Week this week. Wow. Um, Life comes at you fast. Again, next Saturday's Christmas, so doing, you know, just some fun things, getting, hanging out with them. Should be nice. Yeah, it's going to be great. Anything for you? I just, well, I want to say, I kind of talked about it earlier, but it's so funny. I felt like Christmas took, so the whole year went by fast, and then you get to November, and then from November to December took another six months. Yeah. And for Christmas. And now I'm like, I don't even... I think we still have leftover turkey sitting in our fridge that's... No. Okay. It was a joke for okay. the podcast. <laughs> it's like we're not that they, gross. Thanks for that. Just want to make sure. If you put me down, call me a liar, and then you ruin my joke. Okay. Go ahead with your joke. I'm sorry. We still have turkey left over well, in the Well, obviously fridge. people know we don't have turkey in the fridge now. <laughs> I was going to call it an science experiment. I was going to say it was growing fur. I was going to say it almost had the feathers back on it, but never <laughs> mind. Okay. I'm sorry I ruined that. That was actually a pretty good joke. I know. You... On those online classes, you need to see if they have improv classes. <laughs> I have been taking a lot of online classes to try to help with all of this. As I pointed out, none of them are improv. Oh, you know what else I'm excited for this week? What? I... I got some new puzzles, <laughs> and I'm really excited to start them. So I love Disney, uh, Thomas Kincaid, and I love Disney, and Thomas Kincaid and Disney have made these puzzles, and they are gorgeous. Like So I was spoiled, and I did get a puzzle or two. I did get two. And I'm, ex- I'm actually really looking forward to putting those together and hanging them up and... That is the whole point of what you're looking forward to is doesn't have to be big, but nope. that's what we need to remember. You can have the little, little things in life that give you pleasure. Yes. Like being able to tell a funny joke in the okay. moment and hear people's laughter or the people who listen, you get to hear about their laughter after the fact and they say, man, that was really funny. That made me laugh. And sometimes in life it gets robbed from you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And you just live with that bitter, bitter disappointment. I guess I just live with the bitter, bitter disappointment. No, I live with the bitter, bitter (laughs) disappointment because it was my joke that was ruined. Okay, I'm sorry. I think I might be getting cranky. It's a little late. Yeah. (laughs) This is one of our biggest episodes ever. Mm. One of, not the, but, but it's up there. Getting up there. So, uh... I think we might uh, wrap it up here. Oh, you don't think somebody's interested to hear what I'm looking forward to? I thought we were... Okay, go ahead. Well, you started going off on a tangent, so let's... I know, I'm sorry. Okay, let's I'm get sorry. going. All right, I'm focused. So, I did not have a good year in fantasy football this year. I had such a bad year that we were going to do fantasy football advice when we first started talking about doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then I think you were like, what's your record right now? And I was like, oh, like... Oh, and five. Oh, I didn't say it like that. I wasn't trying to make it sound descending. For once. 
Okay. All right, all right. This is I'm beating a dead horse. I'm sorry, um, but in one of my leagues, which also is the highest buy-in, mm-hmm. so that really makes me excited. I started out zero and five. Zero mm-hmm. and five. I just wrapped up the victory tonight. It's gonna put me at. I'm now at eight and six, and I'm after. All the seeding reshuffling, I will move up to the number three seed. Okay. And fantasy playoffs start next week. Next week already? Yeah. Dang. So, in the other leagues, which I'm not in the playoffs, but you are, I'm going to go ahead and hitch my horse to your saddle, (laughs) or hitch my wagon to your horse, whatever, whatever the saying is. I don't know. I'm not from Oklahoma, and I'm not a pioneer, but... I'm on board with you, so we're going to push okay. for you to get a playoff victory. Okay. And then we need to root for me to get a playoff victory. Sounds good. Yeah. Let's do it. So I'm looking forward to some playoff magic, baby. Okay. Also, I'm also looking forward to, I'm such a huge nerd, now in Madden, <laughs> in Ultimate Team, you can earn presents. Mm-hmm. And then on Christmas Day, they unwrap and you get players. And I'm very excited because this year you and I decided we're going to focus on the boys. We're not going to worry about getting each other presents. Mm-hmm. So that's what I get to open on Christmas. <laughs> so I'm trying to, you can still earn more presents. I'm trying to get, trying to present hoard. I'm trying to be greedy so I can open all these presents on Christmas Day. So I look forward to when we're gathered on the tree on Christmas Day and I'm unwrapping my virtual presents. There you go. Yeah. Sounds good. Let my nerd flag fly. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm looking forward to. And it's okay to look forward to that kind of stuff. It is. It's fun. Despite your wife side-eyeing you as you're talking about it into the microphone. Oh, she's doing it again. Would you look at that? I'm well, you can't. You're not there, but I'm going to describe it to I'm you. I'm looking at you with a normal look because you're sitting beside me. I'm turning my head, and I'm looking at you to have a general conversation. I am trying to look over at you, too, and I'm trying to maintain eye contact, but it is super hard right now. <laughs> let's just keep going. Well, actually, we'll... let's wrap it up. Okay. Uh, from the Four Seasons Podcast, my name is Mike Oliver. And I'm Rachel Oliver. Enjoy the rest of your days.